you are, it seems, a man of many skills. A rare combination. In today's episode, we're going to talk about what does the game price that we pay entitle us to? In say, the 30 years I've been playing video games and such, seeing the prices of games go up maybe every 8 to 10 years or so. In the 90s, for the most part, games were around $50. We got to about the mid-2000s to really a couple years ago. Games were around 60 and as of the PS5, Xbox Series, whatever the hell they're calling it now at this point, um, you know, game console, it's $70. And according to an article from gamesindustry.biz, which I will link in the show notes or in the description, depending on where you're watching and or listening to this, it'll be there. And according to the, the author, Sam Naji, looking at the numbers over basically the past 50 years, we run into a situation where, for the most part, we're probably paying a lot less than what we really should be paying if we factor in inflation. These gaming console companies, you know, they tend to sell their consoles at a loss. In other words, they will put it out for one price, which is always significantly or decently less than what their MSRP is. And they plan on making the money back in terms of peripherals and software. So take the PS5. When I got it a couple of years ago, it came bundled with Spider-Man Miles Morales. I honestly don't know where it is right now because I didn't even play it. I know, I know, sacrilege for <laughs> PS5 owner. But the game came bundled with it. It came bundled with that, a second controller. Lord knows what else because I probably paid more than I should have for it from... A friend who got it from a friend who got it from GameStop. Either way, I got the system. Focusing back on this article and on the conversation, for the most part, from about 77 through about mm, about 85, games were about $40, $45. Started to ramp up a bit at the beginning of the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo, where it went from $50 to $60. Then, you know, you had <clears throat> a couple more players jump into the game, Atari Jaguar, PlayStation, N64 dropped, uh, Sega Dreamcast dropped in 99, PS2, Xbox, the original Xbox. Games in that about 10-year era were about $50. Because I remember the day when I went to a local, I think it was a liquor store, and they sold games too. I'm sorry, I'm from New York City. You know, you get some weird mashups of some businesses. They were selling games. I remember I was looking to buy a Madden 2000 or something like that. And yeah, the game had went up from forty forty nine ninety nine to $59.99. I was like, what? This is ridiculous. Granted, I was like 10, 11 years old. But for the most part, in when it comes to selling games, these companies will sell the games for basically the same price. So $40, $50, $60, $70, with some exceptions here or there especially in the 90s as it seemed like depending on what what the game was you'd see a game go for $90 a game go for $40 you know the prices were all over the place and it's not like today how you can get early access to a game and what used to be like a midnight release type thing it's not like you're getting any extra I guess things on the side, like take MLB The Show, you end up with hats and other 
things you're not also not getting any of the ultimate team dd type uh, items you know you're not getting in-game currency like you were paying straight up for the game and that's it no dlc no nothing at least not till about maybe the mid-2000s when you know you started to see that a little bit more and according to this article if you adjust the prices of video games uh, for inflation we are really not paying that much more like we should be paying more in the mid-2000s to really like 2018 if you account for inflation games should have been costing around $80 like usually the hike in price went along on a staircase kind of mirroring the technology that these companies were putting into the system so CD discs they cost more in the 2000 not 2000 in the 90s you know so you had to account for more memory on a disc the HD era in the early 2000s really early 2000s going really through about the PS3 and those equivalent systems around the same time the 4k ish era you started to get you know it cost these companies more to put in better technology and the consoles let's be honest they're going to be a couple of years behind by the time they actually are put out so again these companies don't mind selling them at a loss because they're going to make up for it with games memory cards at the time controllers uh, special controllers like the dual sense that you see is out there now was that like a 200 dollars controller i would i would buy one because it seems cool but that's a little pricey it's a little pricey for me for a controller that yeah you can do a bunch of different things with it but like why didn't this just do it the good thing for our wallets is that as the gaming technology has gotten better and companies have gotten better at putting out this stuff you know stuff for us to consume and to use economies of scale come into play the more you make something usually the cheaper it costs for you to make it up to a certain point but i'm not gonna confuse y'all with you know more economic stuff that honestly most of us probably don't even understand the crazy thing is once we started getting digital games you would have thought that you know game companies would have made them cheaper but they're not dumb they understand that you're gonna pay for the game regardless of whether it is physical you know which it doesn't cost them but a couple dollars if even that probably more like cents to you know put the game on the disc put the disc in a plastic container and maybe have a little booklet which i don't know if y'all have noticed the booklets have gotten smaller and smaller to the point they're basically pamphlets at this point they're essentially hey here you want this little watchtower thing here hey it'll tell you a little bit how to play the game but that's really about it like you're gonna get what the buttons do for the most part and then that's it you on your own which is fine i don't mind going into the game's menus and really looking through there and seeing how you know the game is played now a lot of games come with tutorials which you can actually physically do what you need to do you know as they show you how to do it um, 2k is notorious for this they in nba 2k i they're like four billion different damn moves it feels like you can do and i'm not gonna lie i can't seem to get any of them not any of them i can't seem to get anything other than maybe some of the more basic stuff like some of them it takes like real crazy timing and got good timing at least hand-eye coordination but that's probably more of a you give me a bat in my hand and i'm probably gonna 
them smack it as opposed to how do I do this at just the right time? And a lot of that, you know, you'll see that in the fighting game community where um, I believe the latest Mortal Kombat, like it'll tell you to the frame, like when you should, you know, maneuver your controller or press a different button or motion in a different action so that you could pull a move off. Um, I believe they made it slower. Again, this is all according to my best friend. He just told me like this morning. Um, at least as the recording of this. And, I mean, he likes the game, but, you know, certain characters, you can pull off moves a little bit easier than others. But seriously, what are we paying for? If you really sit there and think about it, now I have a physical disc PS5. I put a game in, physical disc, and I still have to wait for the damn thing to download. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I understand the discs have only but so much cup capacity in them but it's almost like what is on the disc is like a like one of them wristbands that you get at the club like hey yeah oh yeah i'm of age i can go in there and drink and stuff or i'm allowed in so once you're in you still have to pay for the drink even though you paid the door tab you still gotta go in and pay for drinks unless unless it's something arranged where open bar the major difference is, and really it might not be much different than my bar analogy, you pay for the game, you got the game, right? You don't. Once the servers for a lot of these games, even if they are offline only, they're not asking you to be online all the time, like Xbox tried to do at one point, which is so stupid. You can come at me about the whole piracy thing. I can tell you right now, we all know there are not that many people that are out there pirating. And if they are, believe me, they are finding a way around it. They will jailbreak or whatever the hell they have to do in order to get that game because they just not going to pay for it. And that is, if not 1%, well under 1% of the population of gamers are going to do something of that nature. And gaming companies have counteracted that, at least somewhat. If, you know, you found hacking or manipulating the game in any way or even playing a non-DRM version of a game, your console can get bricked, your online account can get straight wiped out. Like, you, you'll basically have a giant paperweight on your desk or under your TV or whatever that the case may be. But I'd say about 95, if not 99 to 100% of the sports game, at least that have been out in the last decade, you buy them and I'd say anywhere from two to four to five years after you have purchased said game, you can't play any of the online features. You can't update the roster. Um, if you happen to get in there just in time before the servers are shut down, which understandably servers are freaking expensive they just are especially the you would think the servers for online they're always going to shut those down after a couple years just because the overwhelming majority of people go from one game to the next so mlb show 23 you're gonna get most of the people going to play mlb show 24 are you going to get people that still play 23 after 24 has come out for whatever their reason may be of course hell I still frequent some of the older MLB The Shows for the franchises that I have, especially considering there are no year-to-year saves, something that I am still salty about because I will continue to say this both on this platform. I think it was one of the first 
videos I put out on State of the Franchise Gaming, the YouTube channel. It's also something you will constantly, maybe not constantly hear me say on Twitter, but I've said this on Twitter, that either MLB or Sony San Diego or some combination of two dropped the ball when it came to this generation of gaming consoles. And it's funny I say this as Sony PlayStation is about to put out a handheld, but let's just start there. I believe MLB 21, we got MLB The Show moved to the Xbox ecosystem of consoles, and I think the next year it went to Switch or something like that. I think it was 20 or 21, we went to two consoles, being you know, having the game made, and then we went to three. And the way... I thought it was going to work was simply put, if you have a PlayStation system and you are transferring from PS4 to PS5 or you haven't even yet done that, you can continue to transfer over your save files, that being really franchise and road to the show as you've been able to do it for a couple years now. If you got an Xbox ecosystem platform, you get Game Pass. You pay a monthly fee or a yearly fee, I forget which it is, and you get all these games. Some of them, or a decent amount of them, you get them day one. MLB The Show was one of those games, I think, the last two years. And then Switch. While it is not the most powerful console, I think it compares similarly to, I don't know, a PS3? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I don't, I don't have a Switch. I know some people who do, but I don't really see them out that often. While there are graphical limitations, you now look at the Switch as you can take your franchise, your road to the show, your Diamond Dynasty with you, wherever you are going. And that is a selling point. All three of these things are selling points. You know, carry over your, your, your data from PlayStation, Day One, Game Pass, portability. With the recent PlayStation Showcase, we see that Sony is actually ready to put out a, a handheld console. Now... The details on it are kind of limited, or at least from what I've heard and read, they're kind of limited. Will that mean that they will pull back on a game like MLB The Show, which is still a part of their in-house dev team? And will they pull that back from the other two systems, especially considering Xbox, Microsoft is going through a lot of acquisitions. They're going to, you know, cop other gaming studios, Nintendo I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they're going to put out another new Switch in the next, I'd say, two years. Is Sony preparing to pull, at the very least, that game? I'm not too sure of how many games are, I guess, Sony-owned and been licensed elsewhere. MLB The Show happens to be one of them, and it's really because Major League Baseball wanted it. Remember, SDS is an in-house dev team. Of Sony and has been since it was way back 989 sports back in the 90s so when you work with the consoles as an in-house developer you know those systems pretty damn well and you keyword should be able to efficiently maximize what you can get out of those consoles and the full price game that you buy pays for those devs pays for the devs pays for the buildings that they're in or any of the equipment like it takes a lot of games and a lot of capital and a lot of stuff in order for them to be able to do what they need to do which is create games but as you've seen with the release of a lot of sports games over the last decade decade maybe and a half probably closer to a decade when you buy the base game you get the base game you might get some in-game currency you might get some 
Ultimate Team DD type packs, which if you don't play these modes, they don't matter to you. The problem is, as you move on to other more expensive editions, which would get you earlier access to the game, three, three days, a week, whatever it may be, you're only just going to get more digital in-game assets. You're not going to, you're not going to get much, if anything, as far as in the franchise community or even the lines are kind of gray with the career modes community. 2K Basketball upon release, we all know what's going on. You might buy the base game. Hell, you might buy one of the earlier, one of the early access editions. Maybe the most expensive one. This past year was $150. I know because I got it because I ended up getting NBA League Pass because NBA League Pass costs about that much. And I'm like, well, I might play 2K a little bit, but this game pass, like, yo... I work nights, I like to watch the West Coast games sometimes, I watch probably more LeBron in the last year really than I probably ever have even when he was in the East in Cleveland and Miami, but that seemed absolutely worth it for what basically amounted to about maybe 8 hours of work, you know, paying for that League Pass slash 2K bundle seemed absolutely worth it, which now that I think about it, I am going to have to either renew that or cancel it probably well in the next couple months i might keep it just because listen you ain't gonna beat game pass the problem or league pass my problem with league pass wait wait wait, that's got nothing to do with this actually it does the value for that edition made sense to me because i got something that i knew that i would be using as far as uh, sony san diego when they would give you something for the the deluxe physical edition, you're going to get like a steel book. You're going to get maybe a poster. I know Derek Jeter was a part of it this past year. I seriously almost contemplated getting it, the physical edition. But I know myself, I play MLB The Show every day, all year. Or at least play it all year. Let's put it that way. I may not play it every day. So ponying up $100 plus some tax and stuff is like pennies a day. Not a whole lot. Not going to set me back any real amount other than the upfront cost. I have a job that pays me decent. And a lot of bills and stuff, they're usually bundled in with rent. Or at least they were in the last place I lived in. So, you know, add a bit more expendable income. Everybody don't got it like that. Some some of y'all, y'all got to pinch out pennies in order to get game every couple months. A game in a year, depending on what you do. Uh, you know, depending on where you are as far as your financial life. So ponying up $70 in a year is going to mean more to you than maybe me. Granted, I make content. So, granted, I ain't making no money yet, but that can happen at some point. Actually, I hope that it will happen at some point. The point is, you work hard for your money, as do I. So... Are we wrong to ask for more from these gaming companies? And strictly speaking about the franchise career mode community, not the ones that may take that career mode player and transfer it over to like an ultimate team mode, like in Road to the Show, you can play with your player in Diamond Dynasty and vice versa. I'm not sure if you can do it in 2K and I know you can't do it in in Madden, but let's be real. The price we pay, whether it's $70 or $150 or some point, some price in between, 
we shouldn't be we shouldn't be crapped on because oh you know the franchise community always always asking for this that and the third they want the game to go above and beyond and to be honest 2k has probably been the closest to doing that in their in their franchise type mode where you're getting a decent amount or as it seems it's a decent amount or a lot with the implementation of my errors you can go back in time and play in some of the you know under the older rules with some of the old legend players um you can you can kind of do that in mlb the show granted a lot of what a lot of what made those errors those errors were a lot of the financial things there might have been no free agency back really before like the 70s maybe no draft depending on again you don't get placed in an era in order to play under that rule set except in 2k if mlb the show could somehow pull that off i don't think i'd play another sports game to be honest with you like baseball is ever expansive and it's great that they included negro league players we need a little bit I do understand that getting the rights and likeness to a lot of those Negro League players and teams are not easy. Let's just be real. A lot of the likeness and the stats, especially for players, really more so the likeness and the permission to use said players, come down to having an estate. And I can almost guarantee you most of those players did not have one. It was not something that was really probably thought of you got to remember the negro league started a hundred plus years ago and as a sports head as a baseball head i'm a shamelessly plug some that they not gonna pay me for bob kendrick and the negro leagues museum they've done a phenomenal job with the negro leagues mode i want to see whole teams i'd love to see whole teams i don't know when or if we'll get that um, but it seems like SDS seems to be on like a five year or so deal where the Negro Leagues, Bob Kendrick and them, the players likenesses and their stories will be used in MLB the show as they're on season one. I would have thought that they would have tried to highlight more players by doing it in a every few months type format like they've they're doing with their diamond dynasty cards um where they're currently i think in set two they had like eight to ten weeks of set one i would have thought we'd have gotten another set of negro league players at about the same time but storylines play that if you ain't played that it's fun as hell i promise you but this did happen to be something that ramon russell has mentioned that this is something that they've had you know under the radar for the past at least three years um, if you've been watching my youtube channel for really going way back then you would know i did mention that on the 100th year negro league anniversary once uh, major league baseball kind of integrated their stats as being considered major league equivalency that this is something they should have done i know a couple people on twitter who also feel the same way or have did feel the same way still feel the same way my dudes at atg baseball uh matthias white on twitter a, a bunch of people felt it was time to recognize their greatness even if we don't have complete stats even if we can't use analytics to really show how great these players are the mythology the mythology the stories that bob kundrick has told um people like my guy wayne moody who if you don't know he's got a book 
hold on, the Real Negro Leagues, actually, hold on, this, actually, this book was signed by the, oh, damn, y'all can't see it, this book is signed by the author himself, Wayne Moody, The Real Story of the Negro Leagues, Wayne Moody, check him out, book is on Amazon, um, if you hit him up on Twitter, I think for the most part, he might be able to give you one, or not give you one, sorry, he'll sell you one, and, you know, the money goes straight to him, um, his grandfather played Negro Leagues, and believe me when I tell you the stories in this are absolutely worth it. $70? Granted, these stories in this book are not the same, or not even of the same players as the players you'll see in MLB The Show 23. I believe in some aspect we are paying for risk-taking. Uh, telling the story of the Negro Leagues is... I think SDS did as good of a job and probably will continue to do as good of a job telling the story while not alienating let's be real the fan base that doesn't look like me by incorporating those players not just you know having you play through their moments and learning their story but you can also play with them as players online you're not going to get more of a story but you know you can get somewhat of an idea of what the mythos of those players were and how they played believe me when i tell you there are still plenty more that i'd love to see implemented in the game but from two of the major sports games associated with the league those are big my errors now my errors is not perfect because from my limited time playing you know as you move into different errors the rule sets might change but how the teams play don't always you know you move from the 80s to the 90s, more three-pointers don't seem to be taken, and 2K's got a lot of sliders, which as you move from the 90s to the 2000s, you should see more of that, and from the 2000s to, which actually, there is no 2010s era, I don't, if I remember correctly, there really isn't a 2010s era, but as you move into a more three-point shooting time period, you may not exactly see that, teams are playing all about the same, and for $70, I expect you to have it where if I'm playing in a time period, I expect that time period to be reflected, not just in a rule set, in how teams play. In 80s basketball, it wasn't jacking threes like that. You kidding me? You might get a handful of threes per game. You move to the 90s and guys like Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, guys are taking more threes and it's becoming more a part of their game. As you move into the 2000s, especially during the much maligned D'Antoni era, and I say malign because I don't care for him. I don't care for his style of basketball, though. I mean, it puts up a lot of points. Not much defense is played. Or not much defense seems to be played. So it seems. It's just run and gun, outscore everybody. If you can get some defensive stops, cool. Otherwise, we about to run you out the gym and shoot you out the gym. More so in that mid-2000s, early 2010s era, teams were... Teams were shooting, putting up a lot more threes. The pace wasn't really any faster, which is something that is a misnomer. 80s basketball had very good pace. As a matter of fact, it could rival today's game because teams were putting up buckets. They again, they might not have been shooting threes, but they were getting to the free throw line. You know, they were efficient with their mid-range game, even if the three-point line wasn't really a part of it. But not the point. The point is, errors should shape play. And I didn't see much of any of that in my errors, but I still like the idea of it. You would think that some of the money that we pay for the game would also pay for the likeness of a lot more draftees. 
you have to go through the vault and if you're on my state of the franchise gaming channel and you know that i attempted a couple of games of 2k it was like maybe five you know i tried to rebuild the new york knicks from way back in 83 84 and the reason why i didn't continue it is because i wanted to get as accurate a draft class as i possibly could and it just takes forever it just takes forever which I'm not knocking anybody that makes rosters or, you know, makes draft classes. It's it's important to have. With all that server space that y'all be using, you would think you'd be able to carry over some draft classes from you know, game to game to game so that things, the vaults, the download places, I don't really know what the hell to call them, you know, would get ever expansive so I can jump into uh, my errors in NBA 2K24 and be like, yo, what that 93 draft look like, yo? I know such and such. I know Wankman Skip, you know. Oh, I know what he's doing as far as, yo, He, I, I remember him on Twitter, you know, messing around with the 93 draft class, and he got that just like, mm, I want to play, you know, I want to start my Myers in 93. I know that's not really where you can start it. I think it's like 91. Point remains the same. You know, those, the people that have taken the time to create draft classes and rosters and other assets in game you would think that the money that we are paying for the just the base just the base alone would get us the ability to carry it over just like year-to-year -year save files were in mlb the show like what um the logo editor you've been able to carry logos over for like three or four years now you know that's something that it might not seem like much to most, but I know it benefits the Diamond Dynasty, the ultimate team community. Where is our love? I can completely, no, I can't even completely understand why a year to year saves isn't a thing in every game. The one game I would have wanted this the most is Madden. Think about it. You can only play 30 seasons of Madden. Nowadays, with guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady playing 15, 20 plus years of NFL football, you may really only end up with two quarterbacks the whole time. Probably more because regression and progression are kind of yeah in games like Madden and MLB The Show and 2K. Now, Madden, I believe Madden, and I know for sure in 2K, you can mess with sliders to make that, you know, happen at a more expen- happen faster, happen slower, whatever. And is my 60, is my $70, is my $100 actually paying for more people to test the game so that we can get those, some of them are small details, some of them are kind of in between details, some of them are huge details about a sports video game that need to be in there. NBA 2K, you can go through 80 years. I don't know anybody who's playing 80 years, playing all 82 games, plus playoffs, doing all the off-season stuff, not simulating and getting the 80 years. Uh, you know, Click Productions, you know, he does simulations on a regular basis, and that's something... Hell, I, I know every year he does at least one where it's like, yo, I'm just going to sim all the way out till 2K stops me. And it's always an interesting thing. The base money that we pay should pay for the devs should pay for pretty good gameplay i ain't asking for perfect but pretty damn good gameplay gameplay that kind of replicates whatever error it may be whether you are even allowing us to play that far back or with players that far back 
or whether it's current day, you know, more research, more stats, more, hell, more sliders, more people attest said sliders, because every year, and I get it, the dev cycles are not that long, nine months according to Sony San Diego, which they admitted, it's about eight to nine months, that's probably the case for every other yearly sports game, including FIFA, which is odd with FIFA, because football is played literally the whole year, you know, certain leagues are playing at different times of the year but again they're all playing throughout the year as it's probably a lot more i guess habitable the weather is in a lot more places so that you know these teams can play all year round so that you know youth academies are able to do their thing it's kind of it'd be kind of like living in a state like florida and wanting to play baseball baseball and football you can pretty much play it the whole year or you can at least work on your game on the field all year round it's why we get so many players from texas so many players from california and and florida and the southern states and north we might not get it we might not get as many up here up north we get more people that may they may play one sport at one point and then go jump to a completely different sport at another point in time because there's ice and snow and it's cold as hell and you don't feel like going outside back to the point at hand we ask for features year in and year out, and I know it's not always possible to implement things every year or even try to attempt to sell the greater fan base or casual people, people who've never picked up these games on something that is like logic or hardcore-esque type feature like say maybe international free agency and MLB The Show. Not everybody knows that you know, a lot of the stars of baseball came from overseas, never played in the minors, jumped straight to the majors. Instead, the last 18 years, you've been able to draft international players. That's not how it works. Unless that player comes to the U.S. and plays high school and graduates or plays in college, then they can't get drafted. You sign them. And I've asked for international free agency literally forever understandably the rules have changed every couple years usually alongside the cba for how the international signing and selection really signing process even operates like there's an international signing pool that we don't have an mlb the show i don't know if we'll ever get it because the, the most recent cba almost had it to where those international players could be drafted which could be both a good and bad thing your mileage may vary well i'm working on currently putting this podcast on other platforms um the distributor that i went to initially i'm not able to do it outright i'm gonna have to do some circuit circumventing and going around that system but comment below on what you think the money that you pay for every video game or at least the sports video games what should what do you feel like you are entitled to